On this week's The Koi Gig Podcast, we had an exclusive interview with Manchester United's Ona Barrier. With those crowds and that pressure, I just love it. Listen now and make sure you subscribe to The Koi Gig Podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts. Football on Off The Ball With Sky Watch Premier League, Women's Super League, EFL, Scottish Premiership and much more Live on Sky Sports Alright, so Borussia Dortmund could win the Bundesliga for the first time in over a decade at the weekend They will secure the title if they beat Mines on Saturday Any slip-up might allow Bayern Munich back in to chat about the finale of the German League season Delighted to be joined on the line by Rafa Honigstein How are you keeping Rafa? Very well, how are you? You're showing me up with that wonderful suit (laughs) This is just your Thursday evening wear, yeah? You know, it's it's just a Thursday night in London. That's what we that's what we wear all the time. That's how you roll. Uh, so Borussia Dortmund on the cusp of something very very special in a league that we've all just assumed that Bayern Munich are going to go and win again and again and again and generally do. How much of this is down to Borussia Dortmund's brilliance? How much is it down to Bayern Munich really just falling apart? I think it's a lot to do with Bayern Munich falling apart. If you look at the maximum points that Dortmund can achieve this season, it would be 73 if they win their last game. There wouldn't be anywhere near enough to challenge Bayern over the last 10 years. But it is enough. It will probably be enough this year because Bayern have been uh, quite shoddy, have not dropped down just one but two levels by their own standards but you still have to take advantage and you have to give credit to Dortmund because for years uh, whenever we've seen a bit of weakness from Bayern and we had a moment in 2019 under Niko Kovac for example when Bayern finished only on 78 points uh, Dortmund are no, were nowhere to be seen really and this year they started from a very negative position if you will in the winter break only worrying about their Champions League qualifications they were sixth and suddenly find themselves on the cusp of winning the title because they've been very consistent in the second half of the season usually it still wouldn't be enough you'd have to be consistent throughout but this year it seems that being consistent for just over half because the season went into a break before the full first half of the fixture list were played in Germany uh, before the World Cup that seems to be enough so they didn't have to be the best, but they were better than before, and that seems to be enough this year. Uh, there weren't many careers that were enhanced by the Republic of Ireland's Euro 2012 opener against Croatia, but uh, Wikipedia tells me that the Borussia Dortmund manager, uh, Edin Terzic, this was uh, one of his big breaks. He was working with Slavin Bilic and the Croatian side that night. He did the opposition analysis. Bilic was so impressed, he brought him along for the ride, and really his career has kicked on from there. Uh, what sort of manager, what sort of personality is Terzic? Well, Terzic, I think, first and foremost, is a Borussia Dortmund homebody. He is a fan that's been transformed or taken off the yellow wall and put on the bench. And already you could see the impact that had when he took over as interim manager a couple of years ago, won the German Cup. It didn't have that much of a... Uh, sort of historic impact because it was during COVID and no one was there and there wasn't a celebration. But already you could see that there was something very special between him and the fans, they, the way they relate to him, that he could talk to the players. But Dortmund felt he was still a bit inexperienced, so they picked uh, Marco Rosa. And when things didn't work out for Rosa after one year, 
Terzic was still in a position after many offers, by the way, including from Spurs, I'm led to believe, to take advantage and to become a head coach that has really transformed the way that the crowd related to the team. It seemed to be a little bit disconnected in recent years, the way that there's a togetherness on the pitch, and perhaps most importantly, the way that the players are much sharper, much more focused. Dortmund, because of their transfer strategy, have always a squad full of high potential young players and slightly older players who perhaps not quite at the very, very top, because if they would be, Dortmund couldn't quite afford them. We're talking about Emre Can, we're talking about Julian Brandt, we're talking about a fairly relatively old Mats Hummels or Marco Reus. But all these guys have gelled together and have uh, individually and collectively reached a level that uh, few thought, thought was possible, including, I think, some of the Dortmund players themselves. Terzic has raised them. Terzic has made it happen. And even though they haven't been uh, as consistent as they wanted to be, uh, they had some setbacks. It seems to be enough this year. And that in itself is a fantastic achievement. How has he embraced that connection between the yellow wall and the team and that step from standing in the yellow wall to standing in the dugout? Because it could be overwhelming that actually you understand almost too well how desperate the supporters are to get one over in Bayern Munich and you can become too emotionally involved. It can mean too much for you. How, from what you've seen, has he dealt with that? He's been very cool. A naturally very cool guy doesn't really uh, get too emotional in the stand. Uh, sorry, in, in well, in the stands he probably did get emotional. Now on the bench he's mostly quite calm. But I think what's important is because of who he is, he had a natural amount of credit with the supporters. So he didn't have to win them over in terms of his emotional connection with a team, with a club. They knew it was genuine. And that, I think, helped him then to make the point that uh, things should be louder, as he said in his in a video before the start of the season. He said, let's make it as loud as possible in the stadium that maybe we can celebrate the biggest party possible. And at the time, people thought, OK, this is a good mission statement when it comes to changing the dynamics, maybe three or four years down the, down the line. It will be in a position, Dortmund will be in a position where they can challenge Bayern. It happened much quicker because of Bayern's uh, own problems. But still, you had to create uh, or recreate, if you will, that capacity. And he was referencing a lot when I spoke to him uh, during the winter camp in Mabea the fact that they didn't have to reinvent the wheel at Dortmund because 10 years ago, 11 years ago, under Jurgen Klopp, they'd experienced all that. And of course, going back further as well. So it was just a question of trying to recreate it rather than do something completely new. But he managed to tap into those sentiments. The football was good enough, successful enough to awaken uh, those uh, those emotions, those positive emotions. And uh, they've been carried a little bit, certainly at home, where their home form has been really good and it's been one of the backbones of this uh, great season that they're having. He was at the club the last time Dortmund won the league uh, when Jurgen Klopp was the manager. He was working uh, with the academy at that stage. And a lot of the way you talk about him there, it does feel personality-wise and emotionally there are a lot of similarities with Klopp. In terms of tactically how he sets his team up, are there similarities? 
Yes, they are, but a Dortmund are a different Dortmund now than they were in the club. They are much more um, a ball-playing team, if you will. That's because opposition teams have changed. They don't allow a team like Dortmund to play in transition. Uh, a lot of them play quite deep, or they uh, themselves uh, try to put pressure on them high up to disrupt their building. And if you don't don't have solutions on the ball, you're going to suffer. So there's still uh, the energy, there's still the uh, determination to play good football, to go forward, to uh, create excitement. Uh, if you can, you know, play quickly, uh, play with uh, with wing play, do all the things that get the crowd going. But of course, things had to become uh, more sophisticated, if you will, or perhaps uh, slightly different because things have moved on since uh, since the early uh, 10 years and a team that had missing always one or two ingredients if you will are still not complete in my view and you could see that when they struggle against Chelsea a pretty ropey Chelsea in the Champions League couldn't get past them but they managed to have a lot fewer off days than in recent years. And again, that seems to be enough, although they still need that final win. If for whatever reason they slip up, then things will look uh, different on, on Saturday night. But the assumption is, the expectation is that they will get this over the line. And just being able to do that, being so close, again, is testament to what he has done, especially in the second half of the season. Uh, I assume with Bayern having won 10 in a row that all of Germany are behind Borussia Dortmund. Uh, the neutrals are, but Dortmund have enough of a fan base that uh, people do not necessarily support them um, because they are sort of the bigger brothers of Schalke and they don't like them. They're bigger brothers of Bochum and they don't like them. Uh, I'm not sure there's too much love in places like Hamburg for them. But yeah, generally speaking, of course, everybody is happy when Bayern uh, lose. Everybody's happy when Bayern don't win. Uh, I think also they're happier if, if it's Dortmund rather than let's say RB Leipzig, who don't have the same kind of sense of um, uh, traditionalism and uh, validity, if you will, because of their uh, business model. So, yeah. And I think even in Munich, one or two people secretly are saying, you know what, this is probably not that bad. Uh, first of all, for business, because the excitement is something that's been missing and everyone's going to tune in on Saturday and there's huge sort of emotions, but also maybe for buying themselves to take stock and to make changes. Last time, uh, as you said earlier, Dortmund wanted Bayern made huge changes and came back trouble winners the next season. This year, uh, it could replicate. The difference is that they won't be able to target Dortmund players they were they used to uh, were, were used to in the past because uh, even Bayern can't now just cherry pick Dortmund players Dortmund have become too big for that and if players move on like Erling Haaland etc they move on to a genuine superpower It is remarkable that they've been able to achieve this the season after they sell Erling Haaland and all those goals and also having to deal with Sebastian Halle uh, being diagnosed with testicular cancer last summer and this is, you know, we can be very cynical about the world of football right now this is a genuine good news story having gone through, I think it was four bouts of chemotherapy over the last eight months, back playing football and back scoring a hell of a lot of goals, five goals in his last three games for Borussia Dortmund 
you know, we remember him from his time at West Ham, which was a sort of a strange period. He scored a couple of unbelievable goals, but struggled for a bit of consistency. Uh, can you talk about his story and his comeback? And they can't have expected him to come back and make such a brilliant impact in the latter half of the season. Yeah, it is a wonderful story. And today in the press conference, Edin Tezic said it is, things are set up for him to be the hero of the season because he was supposed to be the guy that follows from Erling Haaland, which is going to be difficult enough. But before a single ball was kicked in preseason, they diagnosed uh, testicular cancer. He had to have surgery, had to have chemotherapy, did not come back in the same calendar year. And then came back quite slowly because you could see how much it taken out of him. He'd uh, worked really, really hard to be back on the pitch, but he could only play 20 minutes here, 30 minutes there. Even now, um, by his own admission, he's not quite at uh, the same standard yet, and it'll take more time. But just him being there, both on an emotional level and the way the team reacted to him, and I could see that again in Marbella when he played his first uh, friendly there, but also the footballing impact he has by you know being available as a number nine to do the things that number nines do to hold up the ball to make certain runs to win headers without him Dortmund just looked incomplete and didn't quite have the same grip on games and him being there has changed everything and if you consider that he's scored now nine goals in half of the season uh, then you can extrapolate and probably think that he might have won the goal-scoring uh, trophy in Germany because at the moment the leading candidate only is on 16, <laughs> Niklas Füllkrug. So it could have been even a more amazing season, but as it was, with only half a season him being there and having that impact, I think he will probably be the one player that we'll talk about if Dortmund do get over the line because it's inconceivable, I think, that they would have done it without him. Uh, Jude Bellingham's obviously had a huge season as well. From the outside with Dortmund, it often looks as though they get their work done brilliantly behind the scenes with these young players, tie them into the contract that they know will get them a good value when they eventually move on, and then they sort of take a hands-off approach and let their families or their agents go to work, and they make that final decision as to what club they go to. In terms of Bellingham, how involved are Dortmund into where he ends up this summer if he even goes this summer they're not involved they're waiting uh, for anyone to come in and meet what is a pretty high valuation uh, there's talk of up to 150 million euros I think that's going to be very very difficult um, can they or can whoever wants to buy him in Real Madrid we understand are in a pole position as far as having an agreement with the player is concerned can they meet Dortmund's expectations can they find a compromise uh, the time to sell really is now because next year they only have one year left and then things will really go down in terms of the value so Dortmund would love to sell but only for a good price whether they're prepared to see things just uh, continue without an agreement of sorts I'm not so sure because as you said they want to uh, A. understand when a player is leaving they want to keep uh, planning for succession they want to understand how much money they have so I don't see this dragging on for too long but Real Madrid have been very cute so far saying oh you know all this talk about this massive money we can't play that um, so they're sort of setting setting the scenes for the negotiations when they start earnest after after this weekend I, I believe but still when you have a player who's as marketable as he is when you have a, a big club like Real Madrid wanting to sign him and Dortmund being realistic about the prospect of him staying uh, in the long term and that is probably not going to happen then it still points to 
uh, an agreement being found more probable than, than not. So I think in Dortmund, most people at the moment think that he will leave in the summer, but they still have this hope that maybe there'll be a change of mind and say, you know what? Um, maybe I'll wait a couple of years, maybe then I have more offers, not just Real Madrid, maybe not just Man City, maybe somebody else comes in. So there's still some optimism that things can change, but uh, most people think that this will happen. And is the expectation that it will be Spain rather than England? I think the expectation has changed because for a long time people thought that Liverpool would be a natural choice, but I think the valuation from uh, Dortmund has really made that very, very difficult, if not impossible. Uh, we've seen Liverpool uh, unofficially sort of declaring themselves out of the race. Uh, Man City, uh, I think, are still interested, but Real Madrid are the one club that seem to have come furthest when it comes to actually convincing the player, you know what, you should come to us and we're going to make this happen with Dortmund because you need two things at the same time. They got half the job done, uh, but now they have to sit down with Dortmund, which should be possible, but is not going to be as straightforward because of the valuations, I think, being uh, quite a sticking point at this moment. Uh, we could well be calling you back early next week going, what the hell just happened? How did Bayern Munich manage to win another <laughs> title and Borussia Dortmund somehow let this slip? Uh, if it goes as expected and Dortmund do see this out and Bayern's long run comes to an end, uh, this summer and the backing for Thomas Tuchel, like a lot of the speculation seems to be about players leaving the club, that Sadio Mane will be on his way out again, Ryan Gravenberch might be somebody that maybe Liverpool would look at if Bellingham doesn't happen. Uh, is this going to be a summer of huge transition at Bayern Munich? Uh, yes and no. I think we'll see big changes at board level. I think uh, Oliver Kahn will probably be ousted in a meeting next week. There's talk that Hassan Salihamidzic, the sporting director, might have to leave as well. I think we'll see some of the old regime coming back Uli Hoeneß, Karl-Heinz Rummenigge, not maybe themselves, but with people that they are close to taking those positions. Uh, we still don't know how that's going to shake shake up, but there will be a shake up. But ironically, Thomas Tuchel, I think, will emerge strengthened because he's going to be the one guy left who's already been there and who is sort of the last person in the room. And I think he will actually make good use of that a bit of power and make sure that he gets the kind of players in and the kind of players out that he wants to shape the squad according to his wishes. So while we see, I think, changes behind the scenes and in Germany, the, the rumors are ripe of who's going to come in or not, I think for the team and for Tuchel, things won't actually change that much. And even at Dortmund, I've been speaking a lot to people in Dortmund, they expect Bayern to be very strong next season because Thomas Tuchel will have a full preseason under his belt. He'll have time to develop his, his ideas. He'll sign one or two players that are really important. He wants a defensive midfielder. He wants a number nine. And if Bayern can get that done, then they should be in a much better position next season. But... Dortmund have shown that they have stability, that they have consistency, that they will have momentum for sure. And they'll be a much more serious opponent than they themselves and everybody else uh, fought them off before this season started. All right, Rafa, we'll uh, be watching on Saturday. Promises to be uh, an interesting day. And as I say, maybe we might have to get you on to uh, have a very different conversation at the start of next week. Uh, you're on your way to the Football Writers Awards? I am indeed. Erling Haaland getting the big one? I presume yes. you voted for Haaland. Uh, you didn't go ultimate hipster and try and do something a little bit different? 
it was impossible alright well you go enjoy the night great stuff Rafa as always uh, all our football coverage here is with thanks to Sky uh, and as always you can watch all the big games on Sky this season on Sky Sports BT Sport and Premier Sports Football on Off the Ball with Sky proud partner and supporter of the Republic of Ireland women's national football team this is News Talk